pro-life activism from creation to death with Jim Sedlak. Hello and welcome to Pro-Life Activism from Creation to Death. This is the program that is intended for all of those involved in the struggle to build a culture of life in the United States. Uh, Each week we bring you up to date on things that are happening in the country from Congress right on down to your local activities. And uh, this being an election year, we will every week be be giving you information to to help you understand the importance of the 2020 elections and to make sure that uh, you're all ready for them and will in November get out and vote for pro-life candidates. Uh, We don't care what party they're from. We want them to be pro-life and willing to vote pro-life in the United States Congress, in the state houses, and all of the communities that are having elections this year. Uh, Before we get into our program today, we want to begin our program the way we always begin our program, and that is by saying a Hail Mary together. Now, today, in addition to asking our Blessed Mother's Grace and all involved in today's program, I also ask that you add intentions for anybody who is a victim of the coronavirus and the uh, uh, especially those in hospitals. We have a gentleman named Ed works here at American Life League who has some uh, respiratory issues anyway, has now contracted the uh, coronavirus and is in a hospital in, in uh, unfortunately, what is being described as worsening conditions. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that that brings home is, is the plight of the families of the people who are uh, – subject to, to the coronavirus because um, th- he's been married for over 50 years, but his wife can't even visit him in the hospital. All she can do is drive to the hospital parking lot and say some prayers there a couple of times a day. So for all of those who are not only involved in this program, but who are uh, victims of the coronavirus and their families, we will pray together a Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for saying that prayer with me. It is always a good idea to pray to our Blessed Mother. Uh, when uh, situations arise and, and when uh, you're launching new activities during the day so that uh, she will pray for us and will implore uh, God to look upon us favorably. Okay, there's a lot of stuff going on in the pro-life movement, and we're going to spend a little bit of time at the top of the show with a a funding bill, a budget bill that that has gone through the House. And and last Friday, while we were on the show, it was passed in the House of Representatives, and we'll talk a little bit about it because there are some major problems here. But I want you to understand that I'm talking about the bill not only to inform you of the bill – But to to give you a picture of what happens when the other side, the pro-abortion side, um, controls any part of our government, whether it's the House of Representatives, whether it's the Senate, or whether it is the actual presidency itself, uh, when when these bodies are controlled by those that are pro-abortion, And again, regardless of party, uh, but if they're pro-abortion and they control not only the federal government, but the state governments, then they can pass what they want to pass. And and, uh, things can be very problematic okay, and very bad for the babies in the womb. Uh, So last week, the House of Representatives passed a bill that is a budget bill. Now, this happens every year that these budget bills come in. The United States government works on a budget. Well, you know, they they spend more money than they they take in. Uh, You know, it's it's kind of a negative budget, but they do work on a budget. And the budget year for, for the United States of America runs from October 1st. Um, let's say the last budget ran from October 1st of 2019 through September 30th of uh, 2020. So in September, the end of September, which is next month, 
Okay, um, the the current budget runs out, and they need a new budget to to uh, to for operating um, in the in fiscal year 2021, which starts October 1st, 2020, and goes through September 30th, uh, 2021. Uh, and so, this time of the year. Uh, is the time when budget bills become very important in the uh, in Congress because they have to by the law they're supposed to have a budget in place by the end of September. Now in the old days, you know, if you went back 15, 20 years, uh, the budget would always be in place by the middle of the summer. I mean, they would they would work on it, they would pass it. You know, by the end of July, you know, the budget for the for the following year would have been in place, but that doesn't happen anymore. The the budgets always get pushed out. You know, the voting on the budgets always get pushed out uh, into uh, into September. And in many instances, the, there is no budget in place by October 1st. And that's when you start hearing about the dangers of the country closing down, of the government closing down because there is no budget. And then Congress comes in and they pass an extension bill that keeps the government running for another 30 days or whatever. Um, and, and, you know, you, you've heard about this so much, you probably think it's an ordinary part of government. But it's not supposed to be. So the bills are being passed. And last Friday, Congress, uh, the, United, the House of Representatives uh, passed a budget bill that covers the budgets for 12 separate departments. And I'm not going to list all the departments, uh, but it's the budget for 12 different departments for the fiscal year uh, 2021. Um, it, it does include the, the uh, Health and Human Services Department, the Education Department, and the Judgment Department, the uh, uh, Justice Department, uh, and uh, and so it's it's a particular interest to the subjects that that we're focusing on in this show. Okay, um, the because the the House of Representatives is pretty much controlled by pro-abortion forces, and the leaders in the House of Representatives are pro-abortion. Um, there there are a lot of anti-life provisions contained in the bill that was passed last Friday. To give you just a couple of quick examples. Um, the It includes money for uh, the federal government paying for abortions in the District of Columbia. The District of Columbia is not a state. It doesn't have its own budget. It works on from the, from the, uh, the federal budget. And this bill that was passed says that the federal government will pay for abortions in the District of Columbia. Um, we obviously don't like that one. Okay. It also does away with what's called the protect life rule. The protect life rule is what uh, President Trump used um, to take the Title X money away from abortionists and away from Planned Parenthood. Uh, Planned Parenthood lost $60 million in funding because of the protect life rule. This bill that was passed last Friday would do away with that, would, would end that. So it would open the gates for Planned Parenthood to get that $60 million again. Okay, along with the other millions that they get, um, and then and then uh, one the third thing that it does uh, is it uh, does away with the conscience rule. Uh, for many years in this country, well, for decades in this country, uh, medical professionals were not required to get involved in procedures uh, where it was a violation of their conscience. And so if they felt that uh, um, abortions were, were against their religion uh, and particularly against their conscience, they could say, no, I'm not going to participate in that. And it would be within their rights to do that. Um, similar kinds of things in terms of euthanasia or contraception, um, they could also do that. Uh, the the uh, conscience rule was put in place by the, the current administration um, to allow that to happen again because it had been taken away for, for many years uh, to allow that to, to be in law again. Well, this bill passed last week, does away with that conscience clause. And so it would force everybody, every doctor could be forced to do abortions. Every doctor could be forced to do physician-assisted suicide. Um, and so these are, these are not good things um, and, and are one of the reasons that, that uh, people are upset about this bill that got passed. Now, to, to, so there's fighting against that. And every, these things have been identified um, and you know, to give you an idea of the, of the votes in the House, the bill voted uh, or passed on a vote of 217 to 197. So by 20 votes, there are 435 people 
in the House of Representatives, um, you know, 16 of which didn't vote on this for various reasons. Maybe they're sick. Maybe they're out of town, whatever, because you have to be physically present to vote. Um, so 16 of them didn't. But uh, the ones that did, it was a vote of 217 to 197. So it's only 20 votes, but it is 20 votes. It doesn't make any difference if it's only one. Right. But it is 20 votes. Now, that breaks down. Uh, all 217 votes were cast by people from the Democratic Party. Um, of the no votes, the, the votes against this, 184 were Republicans, 12 were Democrats, and one was an independent. All right. So, so you know, the, the support of this bill came from, from one party um, and, and did these kinds of things. And uh, so we just wanted to, to let you know about that. If, in fact, you're interested in more detail on the voting, um, I just tell you that the vote took place on July 31st, 2020. And it is uh, in the House of Representatives. It is roll call vote number 178, 178. So if you just jot that down, roll call uh, vote 107, number 178, and then you go to the congressional website and you know look that up. It'll give you the details on who voted which way, and you can look up your local uh, representatives and, and find out exactly how they voted on this bill. Okay, um, I will tell you that there was immediate response from the Trump administration. Uh, he sent a, a letter, and we're not going to read the letter or anything here. Um, he sent a letter detailing why he felt that the, the, the a number of provisions, and there's more than just the three I mentioned, uh, a number of the provisions were not good um, and that were a violation of some previous agreements that had been put in place. And it, specifically, the Trump administration said that if this bill were to come before the president to be signed, um, that this, his staff would recommend that he veto that bill. Okay, so it does not have the support of the Trump administration, which is we would hope. Uh, the next thing that happens with this particular bill is it goes to the United States Senate, and the Senate is going to uh, uh, to uh, have to vote on it, and the Senate would have to approve it before it went to the president. Right now in the United States Senate, we have a very small uh, two-vote pro-life majority, and so uh, it would be hoped that the, the Senate would not approve this bill. And then, of course, it would have to be changed uh, uh, to, to get approvals and it would have to go back to the House and back to the Senate. But, you know, if, if you know, three, four pro-life senators were out that day, were in, were sick with, you know, whatever, uh, couldn't make it to the vote. Well, it's possible the Senate could pass it. Uh, so that's that's where it's going. So just want to keep you up to date on what's going on in Washington, D.C. Budget bills get very, you know, they're huge bills. They, they involve billions of dollars. I'm, I'm not, you know, we, we haven't talked about money at all in terms of the bill because that's really not the important part of it. Um, but we want to keep you informed because when you go into you know, your, the voting booth in, in 88 days, that's all we've got left now before the election, 88 days. So 88 days from, to, you know, um, from today on November the 3rd, when you go into the voting booth, remember all of this stuff. Remember that your vote counts not only for the president, but your vote counts if you have an opportunity to elect a, a U.S. senator. Um, 33 of them are up for re-election this year. Or if you have a well, you will have the opportunity to elect a member of the House because all of them are up for re-election every two years. So, um when you cast those ballots, you influence how these bills are either passed or not passed. And it's important that you, you just understand that, that you know voting has consequences. And so be ready to vote and do what you can. And we talked last week about making sure that you're registered, et cetera. And we'll, we'll mention that some more as we go on over the next couple of weeks. But, you know, this is the kind of thing that um, the results of who we elect and when we elect them. Okay. Let me move on to another subject today. It's going to be a subject that you hear too much about. It's it's the coronavirus, COVID-19. Um, the Food and Drug Administration um, commissioner, a, a gentleman named Dr. Stephen Hahn, um, issued statements this week on the work on creating a, a COVID-19 um, 
vaccine, a vaccine against COVID-19. Coronavirus is the pandemic, if you will. If you, uh, COVID-19 is the actual disease that's caused by the coronavirus. And so when we're talking about a vaccine, normally we'll, we'll talk about the COVID-19 vaccine because that's specifically what it is. Okay. Um, the, the FDA commissioner came out and, and he issued a statement because everybody wants to know when is the vaccine going to come out? When is it, you know, going to be available? You know, how can we get it? And, and what he said was, you know, in a, in a, well-written lengthy statement, but what he said basically was, we're only going to start having the vaccine available once we have a safe, effective vaccine that gets approval. And that there are processes to go through in order to get the approval. It's not something that somebody says, hey, I gave this to Uncle Harry. He, he got good results of it. Let's approve it. That's not how it works. There, there's a lot of testing goes on involving a lot of people. All right. And the, the vaccine you know, has to be proved to be effective before it is, is even you know, made available to the general public. Uh, Dr. Hahn said uh, in his announcement that the vaccine, any proposed vaccine that goes through the trials, and, and these are large-scale trials. This is not, you know, 12 people or something. These are these are hundreds and thousands of people um, who who get you know the vaccine. And he said that any vaccine that's going to be approved has to be demonstrate that it had positive results in at least 50 percent of the recipients who took it. OK, positive results would be either that they didn't get the vaccine, the, the COVID-19 or that they got it. But it was it was, you know, a very lesser um, impact on them, that, that the, the vaccine lessened the impact on them so, to make it not um, so serious. Um, and 50 percent of the people get, taking any one vaccine uh, would have to demonstrate that before the FDA would say, OK, this, you know, we'll consider this to be an effective drug. And of course, all the while they're looking for all of the side effects, you know, what it does, what the reactions of the human beings are uh, to make it to make it safe. Um, the implication being, you know, don't look for this to, to be approved next week. <clears throat> he did say that, you know, while the tests are going on, they are getting ready for high-speed uh, production of the vaccine. What does that mean? Well, if you if you're going to get a vaccine and you're um, you know going to distribute it, you have to have vials, you know, that you put the vaccine in that you ship out. Um, and usually one dose of the vaccine is one vial. And so you have to have millions and millions of vials ready to go. And that's what they're doing now. And all of the other particular, you know, shipping containers and everything else. They're getting that already. Uh, all of the, the machines they need to do the insertion of the vaccine into the vials and all of that, you know, operation, they're putting that all in place so that when a vaccine gets approved, or in some cases, maybe more than one vaccine that gets approved, that they're ready to go. That they're not at the point that says, hey, you know, OK, now we got the vaccine. Now we got to figure out how to get it distributed. No, they're doing all of that right now. And that's the, really the expedited part of what's going on. You know, that, that all of this work is being done while the vaccine is being developed so that it can be distributed as quickly as possible. Now, I will tell you that there was something that the, uh, the commissioner did not mention in his uh, talk are in his letter that he sent out that, that we're a little concerned about. And that is he didn't mention that they would only approve ethical vaccines. It was not in his talk. So he didn't say we're going to approve unethical. He just didn't say about it. And that concerns us because um, when we talk here about ethical and unethical vaccines, we're talking about how the vaccines were developed. And there are good ones being developed, ethical vaccines, and not so good ones, the unethical. The ethical vaccines are based on um, uh, non uh, – well, let me do it the other way. The unethical vaccines are, are vaccines that are developed from abortal fetal cell lines, okay? Um, at the beginning, it was an aborted baby and they took cells from that aborted baby, developed lines for research, and are using that to develop um, a vaccine for COVID-19. Those are the unethical ones because of the origin. Um, 
of, of the vaccines. And, and there are, you know, probably a dozen um, of the vaccines that are currently being developed um, that are unethical. OK, um, now there are also ethical vaccines. These are vaccines that use the, uh, ex- the, the cell lines from non uh, aborted babies. They, the cell lines can come from, you know, anywhere. Um, th- there's all kinds of things that they can use to develop c- cell lines, um, including, you know, just um, proteins uh, developed into a cell line, a set, um, including um, material from insects that can be developed into an effective cell line. There's there's all kinds of other sources other than aborted babies. Uh, there are probably about two dozen vaccines today that are you know, in the development stage for COVID-19 that are the ethical vaccines that don't use the aborted fetal cell lines. So um, to give you an example of some things that, that the president has mentioned, um, when he mentions Pfizer, Pfizer generally um, is, is, uh, is using ethical vaccines, is developing ethical vaccines. Uh, nothing in, in the vaccines um, has anything to do with abortive fetal cell lines. So Pfizer is the good guys in this one. And there are others. I, I'm, I'm just picking out uh, two names here one that President has mentioned. Um, another group that he mentions is Moderna. Uh, and Moderna vaccines are unethical. They're developed using the aborted fetal, uh, for using the aborted fetal cell lines. And so um, we're, we're looking at that. Uh, we've told you before, but there's an organization called Children of God for Life um, that's tracking all of this. And, and you can get information by just, you know, go on your search engine, look up Children of God for Life, go to their website, look up vaccines, and they have a chart on vaccines. And they specifically have a listing of all the ethical and unethical vaccines that are in development for COVID-19. And we're not at all going to try to go down that list, but it is available for you. So um, we just want to let you know that, you know, there is work going on on the COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, we hope that it will you know, be an ethical vaccine and that it will be available as quickly as possible. But what the, uh, what the commissioner um, of the Food and Drug Administration basically was saying it's going to be some time yet. They don't know exactly how much, but it, but they have to make sure it's safe and they have to make sure that it's effective. And we would add a third thing to that and say they should make sure it's ethical. So that is what's going on in, in the world of the COVID-19 vaccines. And I'm sure you're going to be hearing a lot about that, but where it involves the pro-life movement is whether or not it's an ethical or unethical vaccine. And uh, that's, that's uh, you know, we've just given you the explanation on that. Okay, for those of you who have just tuned into our show, my name is Jim Sedlak, and you are listening to Pro-Life Activism from Creation to Death on RadioMaria.us, a Christian voice in your home. We've talked so far today about uh, the budget bill um, that passed the House of Representatives last Friday um, that has some very um, uh, anti-life provisions in it. Uh, Budget Bill 7617, H.R. 7617, uh, if you want to go to the congressional websites and look it up. Uh, And then we've also talked about the status of vaccines for the coronavirus and the need for ethical vaccines. Uh, so that people can can use them and not worry about uh, the vaccine having any link at all to aborted babies. Okay, so now we want to move on to to some um, some other things that are going on and and um, move away from from the, uh, the the budget bills and and the coronavirus. So one of the things I want to tell you about is it's just um, it's an interesting little story. Um, there is a, a a group called the Church at Planned Parenthood. Now, you may think that's an oxymoron, but it's not. It's uh, We've had the, the uh, leaders of, of the church at Planned Parenthood on this show before explaining what it's all about. Um, it takes place in, in, the, uh, in the state of Washington, um, and uh, uh, it is uh, a Christian church that once a month, one Saturday a month, 
They gather in a, a public space across the street from Planned Parenthood, and they have a church service. And like many, many Christian services, it involves a lot of praying, a lot of singing. Um, it is a, a praise God church service. Uh, they start the church service about 530 in the afternoon, and it goes on for a couple of hours. Uh, Planned Parenthood across the street um, advertises that they, they are open until six o'clock. Uh, so there's about a half hour of time, maybe a little bit more, where there's an overlap between Planned Parenthood and the church at Planned Parenthood across the street. Now, Planned Parenthood is extremely bothered by this church service, right? Uh, as we hope they, they would be with God being brought that close to their operation. And they've tried for years to close them down. Uh, they finally got the, the, the city to pass noise ordinances um, that said that, you know, you, you could not uh, be outside of a medical facility because uh, that's what Planned Parenthood likes to call their abortion building, uh, to be outside of a medical facility and make noise that would disturb the operations of the medical facility inside. And, um, you know, if it's a noise ordinance, there are, there are decibel levels that, that are measurable so that you can enforce the law. Uh, and the, uh, the, the city passed that law. Planned Parenthood now for several months has been complaining that the law is not being enforced. The police department is saying they not only they, but but noise experts have been at the the uh, the Planned Parenthood facility outside of the Planned Parenthood facility, measuring the decibel levels being you know from the the church at at Planned Parenthood, and they have found that the decibel levels do not exceed the allowable decibel levels. All right, so so there's no violation. Uh, Planned Parenthood is outraged at that. They they're claiming, oh, our, you know, our operations are you know are being hindered by this, et cetera. This is one day a month, folks, on a Saturday evening. But you know, and and in the uh, in the uh, the regulations passed by the city, they gave any offended party the ability to sue, and so Planned Parenthood is now suing the church at Planned Parenthood, okay, um, for their noise levels, which the the police and the other authorities in the city say they don't exceed acceptable levels. And so that is going to go on. But you're going to hear about this in the news, and we just want to let you know what's going on. But it shows you how absolutely desperate Planned Parenthood is to keep God away from their building. Right? This is 12 times a year that this happens. Right? This is not, you know, every moment of every day. We are, no, it's 12 times a year, and it's scheduled so that the overlap between the church at Planned Parenthood and the Planned Parenthood operation is 30 minutes, okay? So, so a half an hour. So you're talking about something that, that should occur a total an absolute total of six hours a year, and Planned Parenthood is so upset about this that it's filed lawsuits and wants to go to court over it for six hours a year at the end of the day, okay? Absolutely ridiculous, all right? 30 minutes at the end of a day, one day a month. But it's worth suing over. This shows you, you know, this this show is about activism. This shows you what what being out in front of Planned Parenthood and bringing God with you, right? Pictures of God, you know, singing hymns, um, praying. You know, the, the Catholics out there praying the rosaries. The the non-Catholics are praying other religious uh, prayers. Reading the Bible is 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 always a good thing to do out there. Everybody can read the Bible. Um, you know, it's it's you know bringing God to Planned Parenthood is the thing that devastates them, and and it, they're just illustrating this uh, in the fight against the church at Planned Parenthood. And so we'll we'll probably have those folks back on again um, in the near future to uh, to talk about all of this that's going on. But it, it just demonstrates it should demonstrate to everybody Planned Parenthood fears God. They want you to keep God away from them because they don't believe in God. Right? They believe in a humanist philosophy that man is in charge, that God has nothing to do with what goes on here at Earth. And that's, that's what is, uh, that is what is going on. Okay. Now, there's another thing that happened over the weekend that is being wrongly reported 
in just about every news story that I've seen of it. And so I want to to correct a couple of facts. And, and if you haven't heard about it, then I'll, I'll, I'll give you the news on what happened, but with the correct facts. Okay. Um, Students for Life of America, you know, a very active group. We've had a number of their uh, regional coordinators on this show uh, talking about what they do. And, and uh, you know, by the way, if you if you want to say listen to the Students for Life of America regional coordinators and, and the great work that they're doing, you can get uh, listen to back copies of this show on the American Life League website. It's it's um, all.org forward slash audio. A-U-D-I-O. Okay. So if you go to all.org forward slash audio, you get what they're calling a podcast, which are really uh, recordings of this show uh, for the last year and a half or so. And, and we, this, you know, the one I'm doing today will be added to that. And we will be adding, you know, everyone, but we only started doing it about a year and a half ago, but they're all up there. And you can hear, you know, all the stuff Students for Life America is doing. Well, you know, they, they've been noticing that the Black Lives Matter people have been painting murals in the city streets. Uh, you know, Black Lives Matter. By the way, um, black lives, uh, preborn black lives do not matter to Black Lives Matter. Okay, they are in favor of abortion. They support aborting black babies. I, I don't know how you justify that, but they do. Okay, um, and so Students for Life America developed a T-shirt that says "Black Preborn Lives Matter," and they, they you know, they they sell these T-shirts, and and they uh, uh, in Washington D.C., um, where which is one of the places where Black Lives Matter uh, mural was painted on city streets. They went to have a demonstration outside of the Planned Parenthood abortion facility in Washington, D.C., and they applied for a permit to paint um, black preborn lives matter on the um, on the street. And there's a there's a lot of, of different ideas as to whether or not they got that that the permission to do that or they didn't get that permission to do that. Um, they claim that they did. The city is saying that they didn't, but it really has no play in what happened over the weekend because they didn't paint anything on the street. What happened over the weekend is they had this rally outside of Planned Parenthood and two of the, the uh, Students for Life people chalked, you know, preborn Black Lives Matter on the sidewalk. Now, chalking on the sidewalk is has always been a protected First Amendment right. Okay, it's used all over the country. In fact, at that particular abortion facility in Washington, D.C., every Saturday they have pro-lifers out in front and every Saturday they chalk messages on the sidewalk, pro-life messages on the sidewalk. And the reason it's 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 OK is because the next rainstorm, if they get washed away all right they're not damaging anything it will only last until the next rainstorm and then uh, it will wash away well uh, this particular last weekend um, they decided to do that and they were chalking pre-born black lives matter on the sidewalk when the police ordered them to stop which is against their first amendment rights and then the police actually arrested Two Students for Life of America people for chalking on the sidewalk, right? Now, when you read about this in almost every place except maybe for Students for Life um, you know, publications, uh, what you will hear is that these two individuals, young ladies, that these two young ladies were arrested for painting the sidewalk outside of Planned Parenthood. They were not. They were chalking. There are videos of them chalking and being arrested. They were not painting anything, but that's how the news media is reporting it. And so I want you to know when you see the news stories, and this gets so frustrating, when you see the news stories and you, the news story says that you know they, they were arrested for painting without a permit, uh, go find the video. It's, it's out there, okay? Um, go to Students for Life America, but you can find it in a number of different places. Just a video of Students for Life um, 
arrests outside of Planned Parenthood in D.C. You'll see the video. You will see clearly they were chalking. Right? It's a perfectly protected First Amendment activity, but they got arrested for it. And they were given um, uh, summonses, and they're going to have to appear in court on it. Uh, and I'm sure the case will be thrown out of court, but it doesn't matter because they're getting all this publicity of illegal painting. Right? It didn't happen that way. Okay, and that's that's what we want you to know. You can go and you can chalk, and it's a it's a constitution constitutionally protected um, activity. Okay, we've been talking a lot about Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood's admissions to Margaret Sanger um, being a uh, um, a racist, a white supremacist, and how her ideas not only founded the organization but are permeated throughout the organization today, and the various fallout from that. And I only have a couple of things I just want to mention on that today because I thought they would be of interest to you. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sure you know the backstory, so I'm not going to get into, you know, all of that. Just know that that Planned Parenthood has now publicly admitted and, and not only one Planned Parenthood spokesman, but spokespeople from at least five different affiliates and the national office have all come out and admitted the, the uh, racism of, of uh, Margaret Sanger, the white supremacist views of Margaret Sanger. Well, that's that's having a ripple effect. One of the one of the furthest ripple effects we heard about uh, this week was that there is a museum in Dublin, Ireland. The museum is called EPIC, E-P-I-C. And the purpose of the museum is to uh, create space that honors people who emigrated, left um, England, uh, I'm sorry, left Ireland, um, and did some things great, you know, in other countries. And this museum is there to honor those emigrants from from. Ireland to other country who accomplished something. Uh, Margaret Sanger, um, her, her maiden name was Higgins. Uh, her father and mother were Irish and emigrated from Ireland to the United States. And then Margaret was born in New York State. Um, and Margaret Sanger has been on display. Her picture has been a very large picture of, of Margaret has been in the window of this museum for years. Uh, there are some artifacts inside the, the museum that commemorate Margaret Sanger. Uh, there have been people in, in Dublin who have tried to get Margaret Sanger's um, image off the window and, and you know, complaining about it. Um, they they have failed. They have failed every time that they have tried it. They have failed to get it removed. Uh, after the the admissions by Planned Parenthood a few weeks ago, um, a, a Catholic uh, a person over there went back to the museum and, and requested again that they remove the picture of Margaret Sanger and cited all of the admissions by Planned Parenthood in in the United States on you know her her racism her white supremacist etc uh, and then after a, a, probably about a week of of discussion etc hearings the uh, the Epic Museum has now announced that it will be removing the picture of Margaret Sanger so uh, what what's happening here in America is also affecting how the world views Margaret Sanger including this particular museum in Dublin Ireland so so you know. Actions have effects. Um, there's also a, a black pastor in North Carolina who has written a letter to the governor of North Carolina saying that uh, given the, uh, the, uh, the racist um, history of North Carolina, that given the, the admission by Planned Parenthood that the governor should immediately close down all nine Planned Parenthood facilities in North Carolina and, and hold a, a, um, an investigation into the organization to find out if in North Carolina, as has been admitted in other states, that Planned Parenthood is racist and a white supremacist and um, is guilty in North Carolina as they admit to doing in other states and, and operating a racist organization and therefore be closed down permanently. Um, there's been no response from the uh, from the governor office yet. Um, we'll, we'll let you know if that happens, but I think that's a very interesting approach that some of you may want to use in your own states across the country in, in ways to use these admissions by Planned Parenthood. Uh, there have been two... Um, Efforts that have been launched. Uh, one I think we talked about last week, and that's Students for Life of America, has launched an effort called Strikeout Sanger, SOS Strikeout Sanger. Um, and what they're doing is is they're trying to have all the statues of Margaret Sanger that are around the country or um, physical memorials to Margaret Sanger on public property uh, be removed. 
they, they've, they've named the, uh, the bust of Margaret Sanger at the Smithsonian Institute. They've, they've named the statue of Margaret Sanger along the Freedom Trail in, in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and and uh, some uh, uh, tributes to Margaret Sanger at the Women's Museum uh, in New York State and in Arizona. So there's a whole bunch of things that they are going after with their campaign. In addition to that, American Life League, my organization or the organization I work for here, um, is, is launching a campaign. Um, it, is, it is basically called How Many Really Knew? Okay, and what it what it is addresses is that Planned Parenthood over the years has given out uh, 62 Margaret Sanger awards. It was it's the top award uh, that they uh, they've given out. They started giving it out in 1966. Uh, the last time they they awarded it was in 2016. Um, you know, a lot of noted people through the years. Um, have won that award, including um, well, uh, including Nancy Pelosi um, in you know currently in the House, and, and, and including Hillary Clinton. Uh, these are two you know political recipients of it, but a lot of people, sixty-two people, have won this award, and we want to know. And we're asking, as, as our campaign, did you know about the racist nature of Planned Parenthood when you accepted that award? And if you didn't, you should give it back. Okay, because I don't think you want to accept awards from a racist organization because many of these people are black. Okay, or and and other people of color, and so we need to uh, to to check that out. So um, American Life League is running that campaign. Um, it's called right now. How many uh, really knew? And that's the question we we want to get answered. In addition to the Margaret Sanger Awards, Planned Parenthood also gave out the Maggie Awards to media for media that, you know, supported their positions and their ideas. And we're going to ask that same question of the uh, the folks who received the Maggie Awards, as we're asking of the people who received the Margaret Sanger Awards. And I'm sure there'll be other groups who will do other things and we'll try to keep you up to date. And, you know, when we mention these things, it's things that you can uh, participate in. You can go on the, you know, on the website or on, on, you know, Google and say who are the winners of the Margaret Sanger Award. And if you find people in your area uh, that won it, you can go ask them, did you know? And if they say no, we didn't know that, we wouldn't have accepted it. Well, get that in writing from them and send it to us uh, at American Life League. And um, if you need addresses or anything, uh, my email address is j sedlak at all dot org. So it's j s e d L-A-K at A-L-L dot O-R-G and just send us, you know, information. Hey, we, we, we got the statement from so-and-so that they wouldn't have accepted the award had they known, you know, the real nature of Planned Parenthood. Um, and we would love to have that. So, you know, if you want to do that, uh, we would really appreciate it. It would help us uh, to get all of this uh, done and, and to get all of this uh, uh, accomplished in, in as short a period of time as possible. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. What do we got here? We got, well, we, we, uh, we have about five minutes left in our show today. Um, we want to talk about the, the, the current conditions in, in, in the United States. And I know you don't want to you, you hear things negative, but, you know, we have problems. And we have problems because, uh, in a large part, good people are not doing what they need to do. And I would like to motivate you. You know, you, you've listened to 50 minutes of this show. If you're still with us 50 minutes into this show, hopefully it means that you're interested in this. Hopefully it means that you're interested in in being active. You know, this the show is pro-life activism from creation to death. And we want you to be active out there. We, we don't necessarily, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to be physically in front of, a, of an abortion facility. It's great if you can be because we know that saves lives. We know that just having people outside of an abortion facility, um, making it clear that they're there because they oppose abortion, saves babies' lives, even if you don't talk to anybody. I've personally talked to many people and, and I've seen the stories of many others who say we drove up to the abortion facility intending to get abortion. We saw all the people there who were opposed to abortion and we left and never got the abortion. There was a story recently of a, of a couple, young couple, 
already had two children. She was pregnant with her third. They decided that they couldn't afford it um, to have the third child. And they went to the abortion facility. And when they got to the abortion facility, there were, you know, a dozen people standing out there praying, holding signs, not necessarily the aborted people signs. They didn't say what signs they were, but holding signs. And they, they parked down the block from the abortion facility and they just observed the people out in front. And they said, you know, if there are that many people who are concerned about the life of our baby, maybe God doesn't want us to have the abortion. And they went home. And they had the baby, and everything worked out well for them because they listened to what God put in their hearts. But that happened just because people were there. And so if you can go there, right? if you can be physically present, that is always a great thing to do. But if you can't, then maybe you don't have an abortion facility near you. We're, we're sitting here in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Um, the nearest abortion facility is uh, over an hour away in whatever direction. Okay, you know, so people living here just don't have a local abortion facility to go to. Praise God that that is the case. Okay, uh, so maybe you don't have. Um, an abortion facility near you or a Planned Parenthood facility uh, near you. Maybe there is none uh, around. That doesn't mean you, you can't do anything. You can pray, obviously, okay? But this year, you can talk to people about the elections, all right? We, we have a problem right now in Congress because we have one house of the Congress that is pro-abortion. That's the House of Representatives. And we have another House of Congress that is pro-life by a very slim margin, but they are pro-life, and that's the United States Senate. All right. Uh, and we have an administration uh, the, that is in a president and, and the, the administration that is pro-life. OK. And so there's a lot that we can get done in Washington, D.C., but there's a lot we can't. So if it's if anything that can be done just by the president or the president and cooperation with the Senate, those things happen. Uh, one of those things is, is the appointing of judges around the country. And in the four years of the current administration, they have nominated, uh, the, the judges get nominated by the president and approved by the Senate. The House has nothing to say in it. Uh, they have nominated and approved um, 200, over 200 justices now uh, around the country at various levels of the federal court, including two Supreme Court justices. Um, and, and in general, I mean, there's always exceptions, but in general, um, they're pro-life. Right? And they and all these appointments are lifetime appointments. And so uh, the effect is there. Now, if, if we can get another four years of a pro-life president and another four years of a pro-life Senate, we can do even better. OK, but right, if either of those becomes pro-abortion, we can't. Now, we could have a pro-life president, but if we don't have a pro-life Senate, the Senate won't approve the judges that, that the uh, that the pro-life president wants approved. Okay, um, and then there will be continual battling. And if we if we don't get a pro-life House of Representatives, well, the the funding bill that we talked about earlier in the show is a real uh, reason to to have a pro-life Congress completely. Okay, we've run a little overtime. I'm sorry about that. Um, we're going to close our show the way we always close our show, and that is by asking our Blessed Mother, Mother of God, spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for listening.
You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. It's 